Friends, I so appreciate you uh, pivoting a little bit with us this morning. Thanks for your grace in that. Um, I would also ask uh, for a moment of grace as well. I, I neglected to mention, if you are our guest this morning, we have a special gift for you, and that's a wooden cross that has been uh, put together by our outreach committee. Um, if that's something that you'd like to avail yourself of, uh, do meet me at the welcome table in our gathering space before getting some coffee and goodies after worship. Thank you. This is the second Sunday after the Epiphany, and on this Sunday, we're continuing our sermon series called Foretold. The season of Epiphany is a time of aha moments, moments when the light bulb turns on. You've had these moments before, I think, when you realize something anew. Over and over again, Jesus reveals for us the way that we can live through embodying stories and prophecies from Israel's past, giving his disciples and those who see him these aha moments. Now, we're stepping into the Gospel of John this morning. However, um, we're going to be spending the season of Epiphany mostly in Mark. We're doing just a quick detour because John has this wonderful story of calling that I think fits really well in the series that we're doing in Epiphany. That's the focus of our sermon today, by the way, is that idea of calling. So our second reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. If you'd like to follow along in your Red Pew Bibles, you can find this beginning on page 92 of the New Testament. This is John, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. Listen now for God's word to you. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, Jesus said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And Jesus said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy one, we thank you that you give us all scripture for our learning. By the power of your spirit, may this scripture give us a word of hope from you this day. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, your word made flesh. Amen. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Whenever I read this story, I'm struck by that question and it causes me to chuckle a little bit. Because although we don't use these specific words, we ask this sort of question, or at least I ask this sort of question, all the time. 
I remember as a college student, I went to Berkeley, uh, uh, UC Berkeley in Berkeley, California, and our rival was this little junior college across the way. You might not have heard of it. It's called Stanford. And we would always spell Stanford not F-O-R-D, but F-U-R-D, because that's how petty we were, right? Stanford. And regardless of any good work they might have been doing, I had developed a deep and abiding hatred of anyone who came out of Stanford. If they came from Stanford, they were anathema. Can anything good come out of Stanford, I might have asked. Some of you might say the same thing about Purdue. Sorry, sorry, wrong crowd. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'd say the same about Ohio State. Can we agree there? Yes, okay. Or Michigan? No. <laughs> Mostly Michigan because they just won the national championship. We can kind of dunk on them a little bit. In all seriousness, though, I think this question, can anything good come out of fill in the blank? I think it cuts to the core of some of what ails our culture today. You might ask, can anything good come out of Congress? Or, you know, maybe can anything good come from our southern border? Or maybe can anything good come from your neighbor? Can anything good come from my in-laws? Can anything good come from my spouse or from myself? Underneath each of these questions, the assumed answer is, of course not. Nothing good comes out of there. There's a psychologist named John Gottman, who is one of the most sought after experts in his scientific study of relationships. He wrote a book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And although he gives these principles for marriage, I think that they're true more in terms of relationships in general than just marriage. He describes four horsemen of the marital apocalypse. I love his way of metaphor here, right? One of these horsemen is contempt. And contempt includes sarcasm, cynicism, mockery, sneering, hostile humor. You get the picture. As Gottman says, contempt is poisonous to a relationship because it conveys disgust. When we show contempt for someone else or something else, we've stacked the deck against them. They're in a no-win situation. I mean, the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is a form of showing contempt. And, you know, if Jesus is good, well, then he's overcome his objectionable roots, right? And still Nazareth is a cesspool. But if Jesus is not good, then no wonder he's from Nazareth. You see how he's in a no-win situation here. This is what contempt does. This is what disgust does. This is how Nathaniel's contempt against Nazareth is so effective, so unshakable. When someone expresses contempt, it's really difficult to persuade them out of their contempt. That's because contempt isn't something we arrive at logically. Nobody taught me all of the reasons that Stanford was a pile of hot garbage. It was something I absorbed. You have to be carefully taught in order to learn contempt. It's something that you absorb from multiple negative interactions or from hearing about multiple interactions you might interpret as negative about those people or those places. We can't logic ourselves out of contempt. 
That's why when Philip encounters Nathanael's contempt, Philip doesn't give him the five-point plan for why Jesus is like a really good person. Rather, he tells Nathanael, come and see. Now, one quick sidebar before we keep going. Although contempt is often directed at those people or those places, sometimes contempt can be directed inward. You might have seen this. I know early in my time in South Bend, I had struck up a conversation with someone who's been living in the Michiana region for most of her life. And she asked me where I was coming from. And I said, I'm coming from Austin, Texas. And to that, she said, why? It's as if she didn't comprehend how wonderful the community up here was going to be for me and for my family, even if the weather occasionally leaves something to be desired, right? So although for much of this sermon, I'm going to be talking about those people and those places, just know that contempt can be self-directed in ways that are humorous, like the interaction I had with this person, but also not so humorous. And I want to ask you, don't, I want to charge you, don't Look at yourself and see yourself with disgust. Remember that you too are a child of God. So that's the end of the sidebar. Back to our regularly scheduled programming here. So just as God asked the Israelites to follow the law under Moses, Jesus asks us to follow him now. That invitation, come and see, is an invitation to follow. It's an invitation to bear witness, to behold And while contempt passes judgment, even without coming and seeing, the invitation to come and see is an invitation to behold. It's it's, it's not an invitation to look at actions or events through the lens of disgust. It's an invitation to watch, to see, to allow yourself to look beyond that lens of disgust and contempt. And this is why come and see can be a surprising and effective remedy for contempt. It can be easy, I think, to make assumptions about another person or another people group, especially when we only see a small sliver of their lives. I felt this acutely when my family was traveling back to South Bend after the Christmas holiday, we went and spent time with family in California and we traveled back via airplane, which is always a dicey proposition um, with, with children, particularly one uh, who got to ride free because he was under two at the time. And while we were on the airplane, one of our children was glued to the iPad. The other one at one point was just making a scene, crying, screaming. And I was like, crud, we're that family, right? The people on the airplane don't get to see how we normally limit screen time in our house. They don't get to see how chipper our little guy usually is. They only saw a small sliver of our lives. And if they saw us and thought, this is how families with kids who are young always are, that would be a sad state of contempt. I would want to invite them to come and see. Allow their sort of uh, initial reaction to what they saw be transformed by the more fuller expression of how we live. If they would come and see, it's likely they would have a very different understanding of our household, of our kids, of our norms. Contempt often stems from oversimplifying other people. 
It arises when we take three-dimensional, beautifully and wonderfully made, complex image bearers of God and flatten them into caricatures, two-dimensional projections that have only one characteristic, a small sliver of what they are. But when we come and see that sort of oversimplification becomes much more difficult. When we allow ourselves to bear witness to others in all of their complexity, in all of their humanity, we can't flatten them any longer. We can't reduce them to that one portion of their identity that irritates us. Those people and those places are suddenly much more than that singular characteristic that we had used to judge them previously. It's much more difficult to hate or to reject someone when you understand their history. You understand what drives them. In fact, the more we get to know someone, the more likely we are to love them even if we might disagree strongly with their beliefs or their actions, because once we get to know them, we understand better why they act the way they do. However, for any of this to take place, we need to step out in faith. It takes a lot of faith to come and see. Nathaniel needed to trust Philip enough to suspend his contempt for Nazareth for just a minute so that he could encounter Jesus as a fellow human being. And to Nathaniel's surprise, Jesus offers a prophetic word to Nathaniel, claiming to have seen him under the fig tree. While it's unclear exactly what Jesus is referring to here, it, it might be that Nathaniel had his private prayer time under a fig tree, or maybe he was under a fig tree when Philip found him. Whatever the case, it's clear that Nathaniel is blown away by Jesus knowing something about him that ordinarily Jesus shouldn't know about him. And he responds by calling Jesus the Son of God and the King of Israel messianic language. Jesus asks us to follow him now, just the same way that God asked the Israelites to follow the law under Moses. And when we respond to Christ's call to follow this is going to show us greater things than even a Messiah coming out of Nazareth or something good coming from those people or those places. Whoever those people may be for you, wherever those places may be for you. We have the opportunity when we follow Jesus to see heaven meeting earth. Just like we talked about last week in worship. Or as John puts it, angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The last time in scripture before this that we saw angels ascending and descending somewhere was all the way back in Genesis 28 when Jacob had a dream. You, you may remember this dream, Jacob's Ladder it's called, when Jacob was sleeping and he puts an altar in this place that he had a dream calling it Bethel the very house of God. This is what we get to do when we follow Jesus, when we answer Jesus' call to come and see. We get to see angels ascending and descending, God's house being created in and among those people and those places. It's like Jesus is telling his disciples that he, Jesus, is God's house here on earth. It's he, Jesus, who fulfills Jacob's dream. 
that this is what Jesus was called to be and to do. And as disciples of Jesus, this is what we too are called to be and to do. We must be footholds of heaven on earth, heavenly outposts, if you will. And we can only do this when we dismiss contempt from our lives. If we have the faith to come and see as we follow Jesus, trusting that every child of God, no matter how frustrating they are to us, even if they're from Stanford, is three-dimensional. When we allow for all people to be image bearers of God, that's when we can see the world through kingdom-colored glasses. That's when we can look to places like Congress and say, God love you, and I'm going to try to love you too. Just as Jesus calls us to follow him, he does this in the same way that God asked the Israelites to follow the law under Moses. We do not have 613 some odd laws. We have one, follow me. And that one is hard because it requires us to reject contempt or disgust in our lives. No follower of Jesus can nurture contempt or disgust for a fellow human being because Jesus doesn't nurture contempt or disgust. And by following Jesus and calling him our Lord and master, we are also called to model our lives after his. And he regularly associated with those people. He regularly went into those places. So friends, may we trust God enough to answer the call. The call to discipleship, to call, the call to come and follow, come and see, even when that call confronts us in our contempt. May we be people like Nathaniel, in whom there is no deceit, so that we can acknowledge and then overcome our contempt. And as we follow Jesus, may we see each and every person as a complex, multifaceted, three-dimensional image bearer of God, worthy of love and understanding. This is our common calling. May it be so. Amen.